Shortly after midnight on March 13th, three officers performed a no-knock raid on the home of emergency medical technician, Brianna Taylor. Officers did not announce themselves before using a battery ram to enter, firing 22 shots. The police shot Brianna eight times, killing her. The man the cops were looking for had been arrested earlier that day. Officers Brett Hankinson, John Manningly, Miles Cosgrove, and Josh James failed to provide any medical attention for 20 minutes and then filed a police report with glaring errors, including that she had no injuries. It's been over 130 days. 130 days. 130 days since Breonna Taylor was shot and killed in her own apartment. And none of the officers have been arrested. Attorney General Daniel Cameron. Charge and arrest Brad Hankinson. John Mattingly. Miles Cosgrove. And Josh James. We must continue to say her name. Breonna Taylor's life mattered. You just heard the voices of 28 different WNBA players, including Sue Bird, Brittany Griner, Asia Durr, Natalie Achanwa, Allie Quigley, Candace Dupree, Carolyn Swords, Leja Clarendon, and many more, seeking and demanding justice for Breonna Taylor. She was a 26-year-old EMT that was shot and killed in her own home by Louisville law enforcement. As you hear in the clip, the 28 players are demanding justice and asking that Attorney General Daniel Cameron arrest the murderers of Breonna Taylor. My name is Erica Ayala. I'm a new host to Locked on Women's Basketball. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about Say Her Name and the legacy of Breonna Taylor and the justice that the WNBA seek for the 2020 and 24th overall WNBA season. Hello and welcome to another episode of Locked on Women's Basketball. I am your host for Tuesdays moving forward, Erica Lindsay Ayala. As you may know, we have a new lineup of talent joining the amazing Howard Megdal for Locked On Women's Basketball. You heard from Gabe and Amy yesterday. They will be hosting the Monday show. I'm here on Tuesdays and Thursdays, Erica Ayala again. Lindsay Gibbs has your midweek breakdown. We'll have a deep dive into WNBA teams on Wednesday. And Howard Megdal again, as I mentioned, will anchor everything going into the weekend with his usual Friday show. Today, I am going to focus on the WNBA return to play, the start, I should say, of their 24th season, but in the lens and in particularly, in particular, but in particular talking about Say Her Name. The WNBA Players Association, in conjunction with the league, has dedicated the 2020 season, the 24th overall season of the WNBA, to social justice. They will be focused on Say Her Name, as they were for the opening weekend. We'll get into that in a little bit. As well as Black Lives Matter, which is prominently featured on the WNBA court in the Wubble, as it's known, down in Bradenton, Bradenton, Florida. 
And there will also be a lot of other initiatives, and you'll hear from some WNBA players about what that will look like league-wide, as well as for each individual team and to some extent individual players as well. So we're going to talk on this show about the social social justice initiative that the WNBA is taking on this season. How did we get here? What did we see over the weekend? And what can we expect in the future? As I mentioned again, my name is Erica Ayala. I've been covering the WNBA regularly for about the last six seasons at a lot of different places, but very happy to join the Locked on Women's Basketball series and network. Um, I also write about the WNBA at a few different places, the New York Times, The Athletic. I also come from Howard's great crop of young writers. Originally, with uh, and we go back, this is a throwback to the summit, the days of the summit, which then turned into high post hoops. And now that a lot of that writing and, and the in-depth coverage that you're used to is happening over at The Next. I also work with Howard on the Nine newsletter, as in Title Nine, and that is similarly to what we're doing here and Locked On. It's five days, but instead of all women's basketball, we focus on five different women's sports, and I actually anchor uh, coverage for Hockey Fridays. So that's a little bit about me, but I am also, and I come from a background in the nonprofit sector going back to when I was in college. So the Say Her Name platform is extremely important to me and advocacy and talking about what is effective advocacy. And the conversation that we're seeing now in the sports world and more generally, and, and you know, I'm using air quotes here in mainstream, I as, as an advocate, as a professional advocate, I am a little bit concerned that certain things that we see, they're, they're losing their teeth, so to say. Kneeling doesn't mean as much as it did when Kelsey Bone and Misty Bass did it back in 2016. Media blackouts, where players only talk about certain issues, in this case, Black Lives Matter or Breonna Taylor, for example, um potentially could be less effective than they were when the New York Liberty and the Indiana Fever did that at Madison Square Garden. Same thing goes with t-shirts, say her name, Black Lives Matter. When those things become something that is done league-wide, there is a great impact, but there also are a few things that I personally look out for when it comes to the conversation around that. And I think there was... I don't, I, maybe calling it a controversy is a little bit much, but I want to give you an example of what happened over the weekend about what some of my concerns as a professional advocate are when we have a unified message um, that maybe is either not as unified as it was billed to be, or um, there's something that there's an unintended consequence of something else that happens over the weekend that can pull away and uh, de- detract from, in this case, Say Her Name and Breonna Taylor. But first, let's go into how we got here. For those of you who may not know, back in 2016, the Minnesota Lynx were actually the first WNBA team to use warm-up shirts to make a statement. Philando Castile had just been shot and killed in Minneapolis. We also had five officers in Dallas that were shot after an uprising um, and 
protesting that went from peaceful to less than peaceful, and five Dallas officers were shot and killed. So the Minnesota Lynx took the opportunity to honor Philando Castile, to honor the Dallas Five, and also to make a statement. Change starts with us. They wore those shirts. They had a press conference where they talked about why they were wearing the shirts. And then other teams also started to step up and to wear shirts. The league responded by fining teams for not wearing appropriate attire at any point during during uh, a game or game day. And that what resulted in what transpired is what I mentioned earlier, the New York Liberty and Indiana Fever using a media blackout. Um, eventually the fines were rescinded, but that was the first time that we saw that unified message in the WNBA. That's the first time that we saw players utilize the platform that they have have a united voice, and make sure that the things that they talk about in the locker room or with their families or with their children, that it's also being talked about when there's any ink given to the WNBA. So that's how we got here. Coming up next, I'm going to break down what we saw over the weekend. If we flash forward in the WNBA from what we saw back in 2016, where players were fined for wearing shirts. The 2020 season, and I wrote about this in The Athletic, there was a, a, cons- a concerted effort to have the players, if they were going to agree to any kind of altered season because of coronavirus, which we are very much still in the middle of, the players, and Leja Clarendon, who's with the New York Liberty now, has said this, a few other players have said, that it was a non-negotiable a non-negotiable for these players to be able to utilize the platform and what we now know lovingly as the wobble to talk about social justice. And to that end, the WNBA and the Players Association, the WNBPA, agreed to create the Social Justice Council. This is the first year of the Social Justice Council, but from all accounts and in my conversation with Terry Jackson, who is the executive director of the Players Association, this is something that will be ongoing. The purpose of the Social Justice Council is to, when there are things like what we saw over the weekend, and I'll get into that in just a minute, uh, the Social Justice Council will help to plan those things, but then there also have been some conference calls with um, and access to what the, the NBA and what the NBA bubble looks like and, and other things of that nature. So if you haven't already, check out my interview with Terry Jackson, uh, ran that for The Athletic, where she breaks down the Social Justice Council. But again, what we saw over the weekend was an extension of that Social Justice Council. So now you're going to hear from Leisha Clarendon and Brianna Stewart, representing the New York Liberty and the Seattle Storm, respectively. That was the matchup that opened the 2020 WNBA season, and these are some of the first words that we heard from the WNBA. We are dedicating this season to Brianna Taylor, an outstanding EMT who was murdered over 130 days ago in her home. Brianna Taylor was dedicated and committed to uplifting everyone around her. We are also dedicating this season to Say Her Name campaign, a campaign committed to saying the names and fighting for justice for black women. 
Black women who are so often forgotten in this fight for justice, who do not have people marching in the streets for them. We will say her name. Sandra Bland, Atiana Jefferson, Dominique Remy Fells, and Brianna Taylor. We will be a voice for the voiceless. And now we will observe a moment of recognition for Brianna Taylor for 26 seconds, the age she was when she was killed. All season long, we say her name. And again, you hear Lasia and Stewie calling for justice for Breonna Taylor. You also hear, and you, and we heard a lot over the weekend in postgame, that players are calling out Attorney General Daniel Cameron's name. Um, and in the video that I played at the top of the show, they actually give contact information. He's at DJ Cameron on Twitter. If you want to call the Attorney General, you can call 502-696-5300. And they give other information on how to get in touch with Attorney General Daniel Cameron and asking and demanding for justice for Breonna Taylor. So those have been some of the things that we've heard over the weekend. But going back to what I was saying at the top of the show, as someone who has been involved in professional advocacy. There are a lot of things that social media allow us to do, such as putting out that great video that came from the players. And a lot of them shared it just before tip-off on Saturday, July 25th. Again, New York Liberty opened the season hosting, although they're all in Florida, right? Who, the, but the Liberty were the home team. The, the home team hosted the Seattle Storm. And we also saw that a lot of teams put out a video. The New York Liberty had their own video. The Dallas Wings coming into the Wubble have the I Am shirts. And you'll hear from Izzy Harrison, who actually created those shirts and coordinated that effort for the Wings. You'll hear from her um, a little bit later in the show. But it wasn't post-game, or actually before I go to what we saw post-game, I also want to acknowledge that, and I wrote about this for All 411, uh, which is part of SB Nation and a women's soccer coverage. We saw the NWSL do Black Lives Matter shirts and have a, a joint effort there, but the, the anthem was still being played. And there were some players that knelt. The overwhelming majority of NWSL players, while wearing Black Lives Matter shirts, they knelt during the national anthem, but some stood. The issue that I had, again, coming from that lens of advocacy and wanting to utilize sports or even social media to amplify advocacy messages, the challenge that I have with that is that sometimes if you're not in spaces that are accustomed to advocacy, it's easy to lose focus. And in the NWSL, instead of focusing on the players that were kneeling and the reactions that they were having, a lot of the conversation was either asking questions of the players that were not kneeling or even vilifying the players that were not kneeling. And that, to me, is a distraction. The WNBA players in this case have made it clear that they want the focus to be on Breonna Taylor. They wore her name on the back of their jerseys. And 
you're never going to be able to control a narrative completely, but there can be some unintended consequences of united fronts or also when there's not a united front. I thought there was a nice balance with the WNBA regarding, um, for example, everyone that spoke all the players that spoke for the Seattle Storm in their post game after their victory over the New York Liberty or for the Dallas Wings, they dropped a game to Atlanta on Sunday. Uh, so the Seattle Storm, that was, uh, it was Stewie, uh, Jewel Lloyd, and Sue Bird spoke for Dallas, Arika Agumbawale, Arike Agumbawale, excuse me, uh, Alicia Gray, and Izzy Harrison spoke. Each one of those players, whatever the question was that they were asked, brought everything back to Breonna Taylor. That wasn't the case everywhere. Some players, if they were asked, they would mention. Some players made a statement um, prior to, like Visa Collier, with her statement with Minnesota. She was given a question and she said, before I answer that, I want to remind everyone that this is a weekend for... Brianna Taylor. So a lot of different approaches to saying her name and recognizing um, and recognizing different players. So I want to play a little bit of that. First, let's hear from the Seattle Storm post game. Uh, hey, Sue, uh, congratulations on the win. Um, obviously, a lot of things went right uh, throughout the game, um, but there was that moment where uh, between the end of the first and the early in the second quarter where New York went on a 13-0 run. Uh, just give me your overall impressions of kind of what went, went right today and then what kind of went wrong during that period. Um, you know, today and this season is about honoring Breonna Taylor's life. And it's about bringing awareness to the fact that her murderers have not been brought to justice. Um, we have no justice for her. They have not been arrested. And that's really all I'm going to talk about. I believe it's all that the rest of the team is going to talk about as well. Um, you know, that's why we're here. Yes, we play a game of basketball, but right now we have a platform to, like I said, bring awareness. And um, that's what we're focused on. How was the environment there just in, in, inside of um, IMG? Um, again, uh, you know, in terms of the environment, uh, we opened up the game. I think Leja and, and Stewie did a phenomenal job of speaking on behalf of all of us and talking about the things that we are really focused on this season, which again is to bring awareness, um, to honor Breonna Taylor's life, to honor all of those that have been um, murdered senselessly, you know, and for Daniel Cameron, you know, the, the Louisville Attorney General or the Kentucky Attorney General to, um, you know, murder her, or I'm sorry, to arrest her killers. That's why we're here. And for today, that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah, I think before the game, um, we had an opportunity to come together with the New York Liberty. Um, Laysha talked about uh, Breonna Taylor, about all the, the black women whose lives have been lost and they still have not been um, amplified as loud as we want them to be. And we had a little uh, moment of recognition for Breonna Taylor uh, for 26 seconds because that was the age that she was. Jeff Brown, go ahead and ask your question for Joel. Yeah, just Joel, how important is it for you guys to use your platform here to, you know, get this message across? It's very important. Um, you know, we want to make sure that people know um, the officer's names. We want to make sure that people know that they're still not arrested, that they barged into her place with a battering ram, uh, shot off shots, five of them hit, them, hit her. 
um, she didn't have medical attention uh, for 20 minutes. We want to make sure that people understand um, the facts and how people are still, not people, officers that killed her are still um, free and still have their jobs. Now I want to go to Chicago, Allie Quigley in particular. Um, she was asked by Christina Williams, shout out to Girl Talk TV, shout out to Christina. Um, she was asked um, a little bit about the Black Lives Matter stance and the Say Her Name shirts. And here's what she had to say about what Chicago and the Chicago Sky are doing while in the Wubble and how they hope to connect that back to their local fan base. Uh, this weekend, the games are dedicated to the Black Lives Matter movement. Can you just give me your thoughts on that and how the league is supporting the players and their social justice initiatives? I think it's a great opportunity for us with not, you know, so many sports on TV just to be able to uh, amplify our voices and not just talk about it, but be about it. And I think that's what a lot of us are doing uh, in Chicago here. We all we all have our individual organizations that we're going to be donating to and our one main team one called by the hand. So uh, I think we're just really excited to be able to put that out there this summer and um, try to work for equality for all. And finally, I want to play a clip. This is coming from the Las Vegas Aces post game and actually will be the conversation that we'll get into in the next segment. This is Bill Lambeer being asked about his shirt choice for the Las Vegas Aces game against the Chicago Sky. Bill, before we get to the, the basketball part of things, um, 11 other uh, WNBA coaches have worn Black Lives Matter shirts. Uh, take me through, if you would, your decision not to do so and just your thoughts about the Black Lives Matter message uh, throughout the league at this point. Oh, the players, I, you know, we support, I support the players. They're, they're the ones running the show. Uh, it's a player's game. I'm just staff. No one cares about staff. Uh, I take great pride in the Aces organization that I helped build from scratch. And I thought today was a good day for me to say, stand up and say, I'm an Aces and I love being an Aces. Question of the episode that we'll get into shortly. Was Bill Lambeer's game day look all fun and games or a distraction from, say her name, Black Lives Matter? Want to hear your thoughts? I'll give you mine coming up. All right. So you heard what Bill had to say. Let me give you a little bit of background as Howard Megdal our host for Friday's Locked On Women's Basketball. He will be talking to Nikki Cullen this week on Friday's episode. She is, of course, the head coach of the Atlanta Dream. Had a great showing this weekend. I'll get into that on Thursday a little bit more, but you can hear from Coach Nikki Cullen on Friday with Howard Megdal. You also heard Howard on, on this episode... He asked Bill about the reason that he didn't wear a Black Lives Matter shirt. For a little bit of context, Bill was wearing a Black Lives Matter shirt when he was interviewed by media via Zoom call for the pre-game. During the game, as was mentioned in the question, he was the only head coach of 12 total head coaches. 11 wore the Black Lives Matter shirt in solidarity with the players who were wearing Say Her Name shirts and Breonna Taylor's name on their jerseys. Now, if I had only, and I was I was not watching this game live, I was on a road trip with my mama, but um, if I had only seen the comments, and for a while I had only seen the comments about why isn't Bill wearing a Black Lives Matter shirt, what does this mean, that, you know, I, I'm indifferent. If he wants to wear the shirt, great. 
If he doesn't wear the shirt, do I think it stands out? Absolutely. But do I think it necessarily needs to be something that we write about? No. But when I saw that he wore the shirt earlier in the day, then you wonder what the wardrobe choices are. There was a tweet that was going around saying that the Black Lives Matter shirt didn't fit him and that's why he didn't want to wear it on national TV. That also makes a lot of sense. But then you hear what he says post-game that he doesn't want to make it about him, that nobody cares about him. But the Las Vegas Aces in their game notes... uh, and in other places, and Bill himself all on the broadcast. I think ESPN did a segment on Bill's hair. He's been making a statement, and I've been on some of these calls, about he doesn't have a barber like the NBA bubble does. The wobble has no barber, so his hair is kind of unkept, and he's been poking fun at that. Again, the Aces media has leaned into that, which I think is fine. But it was just interesting to me that he says about a t-shirt that he didn't want attention, but then everything about his haircut seemed to be about attention. So again, I don't think there needs to be more made of this, but I do think that, you know, Bill Bill kind of took over in his crazy, ridiculous, you know, kind of... I don't even, bowl cut that was tucked into a headband. I don't know. It was weird. It was weird because he did attract a lot of attention, which is apparently exactly what he didn't want to do. At the end of the day, and this is on the latest Around the Rim podcast with Latrina Robinson and Tarika Foster-Brasby, highly recommend that if you are a Hoop fan, you listen to that podcast. But De'Arica Hamby was on the show this this past episode, right before their game, um, and she let it be known that Bill goes hard for his people. And as someone who's covered the New York Liberty, I know that about Bill Embiid. I do think he can be off-putting, and I do think that he makes comments sometimes that definitely raise your eyebrows. Do I necessarily think his shirt choice was anything dubious? No. Or, you know, anything with with malintent? No. I don't believe that for one minute. But I also don't believe that he doesn't think that coaches can nor should Uh, attract attention. I think Bill likes to attract attention when it comes to certain things. Um, And this just isn't one of them. And I'm okay with that. But, you know, he is known for attracting attention, uh, whether it's travel, uh, whether it's pay equity, whether it's uh, no barber in the wobble. So again, do I think it's a big deal? No. Do I think that Bill knows that he can create a big deal. Yes, I do. So that's kind of where I land, but all the more reason why I like having conversations about social justice that are more than just social media action. So we're going to we're going to close out this show, my first Unlocked on Women's Basketball. Very excited to join the crew with a few things that have happened since. So what is happening next? That's where we want to close this show with what the WNBA is doing next about social justice. Most players, the Seattle Storm is one of the teams in particular, most players have said that they are going to continue to wear Breonna Taylor's name on their game jersey. Now, I haven't been able to get a direct answer to this, but that implies to me that at one point the league was intending just to have this be maybe opening weekend or for the first month of the season. Players are making it clear and some are deciding to wear Breonna Taylor's name on 
their jersey for the remainder of the season. So I'm going to look into that a little bit more, but to be determined whether that is across the board or just particular teams. I will follow up with that. But first thing I want to read from Leja is the WNBPA and the NBPA just got off a call with the one and only Michelle Obama talking about voting. The First Lady stressed the importance of voting not only in the primary, but for midterm and local elections. She said it's like practicing your shooting, but not dribbling. All right. All right, Michelle Obama. Listen, are you going to be a professional basketball player and only practice shooting and not dribbling? No. So you can't say you're about Black Lives Matter and only vote in a primary or a presidential election. You can't say that you're an ad- activist and only vote in a primary or a presidential election. You have to know midterms and local, including a lot of places the attorney general is an elected position. Some places it's appointed. But I'll tell you where the attorney general is elected in the state of Kentucky. And the current attorney general is Daniel Cameron. And he has caught the attention of the WNBA and say her name. The other thing that I want to point, I want to point your attention to two articles uh, that cover the importance of what the WNBA is doing. The first, you may be familiar with Dave Zirin. He hosts Edge of Sports podcast and also is a writer and editor, I believe, for The Nation. And so he has uh, this article, WNBA Players Again, show the meaning of racial descent. And there's a part in the article that I appreciate. Just as black women have created, led, and pushed the envelope in the fight for black lives since the movement's beginnings, they are reminding us what radical descent looks like on the court and why it is so critical to break the chains of commodification and continue to make onlookers uncomfortable. And what I appreciate about that is that David Zirin is attacking this idea, right? That things, people become, air quotes, woke. Um, And it's what I was saying before, that social media movements can be a form of advocacy or a strategy and a tactic used for advocacy, but they alone are not advocacy. So I appreciate David Zirin over at The Nation. The other one that I want to point you to is Brittany de la Cretas. She has a newsletter on Substack. You should check it out. The MB... The WNBA makes sure hashtag say her name includes trans women. Intersectional uh, advocacy is very important to Leisha Clarendon in particular. And in Brittany's latest piece, she breaks down why that's important for the trans community. And uh, so you should check that out. So those are two articles that I'm reading. This has been my first show for Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm excited to return on Thursday, where I'm going to break down the rookie performances from last weekend and what we expect from the rooks in weekend number two. Tomorrow, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, you can listen to Lindsey Gibbs make her debut. Wednesday, you'll get a deep dive into one of the WNBA teams. I'll be back, as I just said, on Thursday. And then on Friday, Nikki Collin, the head coach of the Atlanta Dream, will be joining Howard Megdal. But thank you for listening to Locked On Women's Basketball. Please follow us at Locked On WBB, and you can follow me 
Erica Lindsay Ayala at elindsay08 on Twitter. That's E-L-I-N-D-S-A-Y 08 on Twitter. <laughs>